What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's an important day, and we are here to recap the win that was this past Saturday night, along with a look ahead to our next favorable matchup. I'm Nate Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, as we stand today, and we did a lot of it, we'll dive into a lot of you know national things of where they have people inside the Missouri Valley and certain teams and as we stand we are tied for first place we are ahead of the standings because we have beaten everybody that's below us and tied it's a good day like I said we'll dive into some things it's you know it's still early in the process but this is you know uncharted territory for us for a long time so it's fun to talk about we'll dive into another step what's going on yeah most definitely I mean it's a meaningful day across the country and uh um, coming off uh, another win there, getting getting back on a win streak, um, two in a row here. Um, got another winnable game tomorrow night and uh, got to take care of business. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff. It's getting some, a little bit of notoriety across the country. Um, it's cool to see that in January. But like you said, like you said on our tweet, brick by brick, got a long way to go. A long way to go, and it does seem premature to discuss it. You know, we kind of believe in jinxes and believe in everything. So, but again, I think it, it'd be, um, it'd be, it wouldn't be us or in general for anybody to not discuss things like this when you don't see it a lot. It's just fun to talk about in the moment. We'd be doing it injustice if we didn't discuss it. So we will talk about that. Some bracketologies, more uh, updated seating probabilities, some some recent, as of hours ago, important news for a certain team, certain uh, important and uh, top-tier team, uh, a part of them we'll discuss. Monday teleconference that was late posted. We just listened to that. Update on Cash and Kavion, an update on Kennard Davis Jr. and where we might see him here early next month. Top into some other recruiting topics, and then we will discuss other matchups along with our second with the Purple Aces tomorrow night in an early week game. Um, so, like I said, we a victory against Illinois State, a twelve point victory that was. And Noah, we'll go through some takeaways and some big, some just some big moments in this game because you know another game on our schedule that you know down at the half struggled. We had a really good start kind of got away from us there and more this seemed like a perfect game for a 40 minute game but I say we played about 30 of the 40 and had another great second half but no like I said we we started strong and then near you know the end of the first half Illinois State got it going they had some easy looks at times and we'll talk about the matchups but we'll dive into first that there was a starting lineup change Jawan Newton in for Trent Brown Trent Brown did not play in this game. He goes from not scoring in six games and five minutes against Northern Iowa to four against Indiana State to not even playing at all Saturday night. No, we're not going to go through the typical. This is the game we took care of, and it definitely in the second half. I think, honestly, the first half's one needed to talk about most because there was an important player that got into the game and got more action than he previously had. Dive into that. And then, like I said, Jawan in the starting lineup is a good sign. That's what we've been wanting. Seemed like the team kind of fell in sync outside of, like I said, like 10 minutes of this. Let's dive through the, the most notable things in this first half. What stood out to you? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think obviously a better start. I wouldn't say a great start. A better start than what we have been. I mean, that's what we've been asking for. Um but of course, you get the good start. Then, after I'd say about five minutes, we go on one of our spells where it's not good basketball, and we're missing missing shots. I mean, there was a couple of Marcus looking missing a good look. I mean, he's short on a three again. Um, got a little bit uh, a little bit of fouls here and there. Go then it went back and forth. I mean, they they went on a little run and they even took the lead at one point. Um, until we finally took control and uh, got back in this game. But, I mean, you're down at halftime. But, yeah, you mentioned a little bit there. We got to see a lot more. I only played it up five minutes in this game. But you got to see a lot more of Scotty Abube, and he was really really effective in that first half. No doubt we'll get to the stuff that he had here in the first half. Definitely an important final moments of that first half. But 
this was the Liam McChesney first half. I mean, they didn't start him. They started, uh, oh boy, at center. And I, I'll get into it because it's, it's really important. But we'll just say it now. Kendall Lewis didn't even score in this game, which is he was the one we were most, you know, thinking that the team had to worry about, who Marcus had to worry about. And Marcus did have fits with Kendall at times. So that's notable. So somebody had to step up, and that was Liam McChesney off the bench. They were making threes, and whenever they did come back and take the lead, it was three straight. The the last one was Liam. But he he was hitting jump shots. I mean, he's got the link to him. And Liam, we talked about him in the preview. He had a late 20-point performance at some point this season, and Ryan Peden's been preaching about his versatility and the things he's been able to do. So he was, and he was, you know, pointing at our crowd and doing whatever he was getting in the field whenever he was hitting some of these threes. So they did grab the lead. We saw, we saw Foster have a layup and we, we always love when Foster even, he had a three before that didn't make it, but then the fact that he's able to, and he's not, I wouldn't say he was ever scared. He was just uh, hesitant to do anything more than just shoot threes. But now he's starting to get the groove that we haven't seen in a while. Saw him do that layup, saw a lot of great things from Max. Uh, He had a little stretch here, and McChesney hits hits more threes. But, yeah, it it came down to when Scotty did come in the game. He got an offensive board and put it up back in for a layup. He was running the floor well. Uh, You know, he was a mismatch for a lot of these guys. I mean, he was – he was getting hacked galore, but nobody was on the floor was even close to how strong or how physical that Scotty was able to play. He got offensive board, finished it, and then, Noah, at the very end, uh, Marcus shot it with one second left, got a shot off, a three. It was, it was a terrible last possession for us. Uh, Luke Kasubke hit a couple of free throws, and then we go down, force up a shot last second. Seneca kind of tipped a Marcus three. Fell into Scotty's lap. He went up and got it. And and you know, it's just it's it's crazy how he would get this off. And they did look at it at the very end, but he did get it off, Noah, and he and he touched it in for an and one that he did finish going into the half that cut it to the three-point deficit when it was a six. No, I mean that obviously swung things for a team like us that, you know, th- uh, you know, thrives on second halves, which we don't even have to talk about a whole lot, just some other things that stuck out more, but it, I mean, no, that's something that obviously, like I said, can spark a team into the second half. And knowing that's, again, Scotty, Illinois State is a physical team at times. I think Kendall, and you see some of it. But when you got McChesney down there, I mean, he, he's, he barely weighs half of what Scotty does. I mean, it was great to see Scotty take advantage of those matchups. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, at times when he was getting, when he, uh, we were, a lot of the fans and, uh, we're, we're screaming to post him up and get him the ball more, and they did that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he got hacked a couple times. There was no calls. I mean, if anybody – a lot of people know who Kofi Coburn is. It's kind of the Kofi Coburn treatment that he, he's just bigger than everybody, so he's not getting the benefit of the doubt when there's when he's getting hacked. But um, hopefully the more he plays, he'll get some more respect from the officials and get some of these calls. But, yeah – it's just like at Indiana State, Brian talked about it. They did little things to be able to get some momentum going into halftime, and that's what we did here with Scotty and his energy he brought, and it was big um, to cut that deficit down to three. I mean, he is the most efficient guy in s- small spurts of time, and we, we talked about on the previous pod that Brian, whenever he was questionable, you know, we know we saw him against Drake, and sh- slowly but surely Brian even said that, you know, he needs to play and he can easily affect the game. We've seen it in three games now since he's returned. And uh, he was, he was a plus two in the half along with Clarence and X who carried us. We were minus three as a team. Illinois state was a three that, like I said, they, they took advantage of some of the threes. They were five of nine from three while we were one of 10. That was by far the worst thing we were doing in the half, but we had 26 paint points and that'll be, and we had six turnovers. They only turned it over three times, 26 paint points. And, it seems like I'm pretty sure leading in a lot of stats in the country were up there. And obviously, like efficient field goal percentage, we're in the top 50 or even less than that. Uh, so we're really good in the paint. It shows that. And we haven't been a great three point shooting team. You know, Brian talked on the teleconference that some guys who are good shooters usually, you know, he said that I think recently. So he said it again. But if these three start to fall for us, obviously we'll score more and it'll be even better because we are unstoppable almost in the paint. That appears to to be at the half whenever uh, – let's see here. Lance had nine to lead us at the half. Mark, Marcus had only two. 
He was getting guard one of five from the field. Marcus, we mentioned how player of the year he was before like three games ago, and he's been taking a step back or taking a back seat to Lance in that argument, arguably. So, um, no, I don't think anything else stuck out to you at the first half box. I mean, even at the start of whenever we started to go on a run here in the second half, it was it was a lot of – I mean, Juwan made a three because we saw Darius uh, Burford in the first half bank in a wing three. It was like between the wing and the corner, bank in a three. Juwan almost had the exact same shot in the same place that he's one of those guys, Brian, I think is mentioning with three-point shooting that can be better. We know Jawan's never been a great three-point shooter, but he's had a lot of looks. And if he's in the starting five and can hit those, we'll take off even more. Noah, anything else stuck out to you that's at the second or the first half box and lead us a little bit or some other things that stuck out to you here when we got on our run and kind of put the game away? Yeah, really. I mean, Choi was very effective. He's came in again in that first half. Um, got to see a little bit more of Foster Wonders as well. He still hasn't been – knocking down his shots but once he starts knocking down um things will go he he had a nice move in the second half to get a layup but um really good from those two got to see foster get some more minutes in this one um but yeah in the second half really to get going um it was a lot of what we what we need to do make adjustments and it started out with lanton a jumper um cisco uh sissoko um countered that right back to three, but Jawan um, hit a three. We've been needing him to work on that and knock down shots, especially if he's going to start. Uh, we know Dalton's been pretty good about that, um, starting to knock down three. So Dalton hit a big one in the second half. Um, then we got to stop. Then Lance, one of two from the line, we need him to lock down both. Um, then Clarence got a layup. Kazabuke answered that. Um, with 15:28, we were only up. We were able to take the lead up one right there at that point. And we went on a huge run, and it was the Lance three show at that point. In between, Marcus made a couple free throws. Seneca didn't do a whole lot in this game after how hot he had been. Uh, and Dalton made a three, and that cut it. And that made it an 11 point game. It was after Lance made his, and we knew after Dalton got an inbound steal and fed off the crowd and shot it immediately for a three that gave us the 11 point lead. And then after that. You know, they they clawed back a little bit. It got within eight, and then Scotty had another layup that saw his other about two and a half more minutes in the second half. Marcus, two free throws. Lance, I mean, Lance is just he, – he's under he – fe- we've talked about it endlessly. He feeds off this crowd, and he's got so many bad moments, but he's he's just an, – he's an M- M- unbelievable player. He really is. We talk about it all the time. He had a steal that led to a Marcus layup. Marcus had a nice spin move on Liam in the second half for a layup, all a part of this huge run. Jawan made a couple free throws, and then Marcus had a dunk near the end, and then they had, they scored again, but it wasn't enough for the 13-point win for us. So it was, like I said, a game that we knew we had, even though I think it was, and a lot of people were talking, there were people around us where we were sitting that, oh, they're a second-half team, and it's, and, you know, so everybody knows that we are. And even some teams in the teleconference, I don't know if Raglan mentioned it, some other people have, that uh, that's really what we are. And a lot of teams know it. So if they can adjust off of the kind of adjustments we make in the second half, who knows what can happen. But end of the box score, I mean, they had three guys in double figures. Uh, so Seneca did have 12. He shot a lot of free throws again to that point. McChesney cooled off in the second half. I think he had 11. He only had two in the second. And then Burford had 10. Uh, like I mentioned, Kendall Lewis in 29 minutes. He was good on defense with Marcus at times. Four fouls, Noah, four rebounds, a steal, and assist. No points for Kendall. That's got to be a – he's probably never not scored in his Illinois State career. I think that says a lot about how we were playing him. But I don't think he was really – I think he was just out of sync because I don't think he did anything different or was hesitant at all, but he did only shoot three times. And I think if you talk to Ryan Peden, he would say that his his arguably his best player doesn't need to be – uh, only shooting three times in that amount of time. But, you know, Peden did talk after the game. They always post those videos. They did a Burford, McChesney, and Peden. And he did say we're a tough team to play against because uh, we get after you defensively. And he said when we're making shots, you know, we're really hard to beat. And it's it's cool to see other coaches acknowledge that no matter how their team is doing on the season. And everyone mentions how good we are in this place. What stuck out to you here in the second half, minutes-wise, or anything in this final box score? 
Yeah, obviously you talked about Kendall. Got in a little bit of foul trouble, but that's still um, not an excuse. Not an excuse for him to play as poorly as he did. I mean, only ended up with one turnover, but fifteen turnovers for them. We know they led the conference in that. Only to our five. That's um, really good for us. I mean, second half we got to the line ten times. We need to get to the line more, and we need to. It's got to be those guys like X and. Lance going to the hole, even Jawan can do that. Um, it's crazy as mu- as many times as Marcus gets the paint. Um, he's only probably shooting about four games. So um, 10 of 14 for 71%. That's got to be better. Um, but the the number of that, once it goes higher, probably be a better percentage. Um, 38 points in the paint, um, living in the paint. That's what we need to do. So, um Scotty in his five minutes had seven points, three rebounds. I mean, just just imagine if he's playing five more minutes, that gives you fourteen points and six rebounds. That's the kind of effort and energy he's playing with. That's big time. Um, another good game by Troy as well. So um, Dalton also so nineteen bench points. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more, but obviously with Jawan making that move to the lineup, the bench points are going to go down. Yeah, and, and J.D. was the only player on the bench to not score, and we can count on Foster to hit at least one or two of those three missed that he had. He hasn't really been shooting it all that well in the time that he's playing, but we know they're going to come, and we want him to keep shooting absolutely. And, and and even with no trend, even though we've been talking about that, he's not doing doing anything when he's not when he is playing in the short time that you have a game where he does. And Brian touched on it like, yeah, we could have got him in. We just didn't. Um, it's a great move. Jawan helps the lineup a lot. And then even because we talk about production on the bench, if you move Jawan there, I mean, with the way Troy is playing, yeah, in 18 minutes and his defense, no matter, I mean, he did hit a big corner three again. And JD, it's been weird seeing him not do a whole lot. And that's the emergence of Scotty and how Clarence had six points, which um, was a good sign because we know he's been struggling. And but Dalton's playing well, you know, like we mentioned with Foster. I mean, that this bench right here, Troy, J.D., Scotty, Foster, and Dalton, that's a good five minutes. It's a big it's a big five minute. You add Trent in there maybe, and Pete mentioned how we're 11 deep. It's like, well, not all the time. But now that we have Scotty back, you can you can count on you're right. If he can get those averages, he will. And that's – he is a mismatch against anybody, honestly. I mean, the only thing that Scotty's going to end up being is almost like too aggressive, and then he's going to get those fouls. But – I mean, oh, when he gets going though, and we and we're the way we're seeing him run the floor, and when Brian and, and you know puts him in here more, and we talk about, I mean, it seems like our three man big rotation right now. You could start either of them and have the other two off the bench, and I don't think the team would miss a beat. I can see with like some chemistry, and you're not going to mess with it, but that's just how well I think all three bigs are going to have for us down the stretch. I mean, Scotty is the ultimate difference maker. I mean, some of these wins we didn't see him in you and I, and we lost. I think that's honestly something. I mean, if he plays three minutes in that game, who knows how much he can swing. So, you know, it shows that he needs to play in every single game and it can work out for us. Yeah, the bench was good. Lance fouled out but had the 21 points on 18 shots. It's crazy sometimes we'll have Lance go down and not even pass it and say, well, Marcus needs to touch every possession. But uh, it's it's crazy sometimes that Lance makes it not the case, but it's obviously in a game like this, it's fine. But he still has his bad moments, but 21 He's putting up numbers. And then X, we mentioned X last time. He's kind of playing like the true point guard that he is. He's making great passes. He's scoring at the rim. He's being way more aggressive at the rim. He's doing everything that we knew he was when when we when he came in. His George Mason tape was all the stuff that he's currently doing. So it's a great sign and 34 minutes for him. And then, yeah, Marcus only shot nine times, 36 minutes, 10 points. Only had one turnover. I, I believe, like we said, he's leading the Valley in turnovers, and we only had five as a team, yeah, so it's it's incredible. Marcus did have seven points, four assists as well. And X is right behind Lance, I think, in total steals this season on the team. He had three to Lance's two. So overall, a great effort, yeah. Paint points is the biggest thing to take away, along with shooting pretty good from the free throw line as weeks go on. So we were 11 or 11.5 point favorites, and we covered, and we got – uh, 12 so it was the final possession though it was funny when Seneca uh, went down with a little over 20 seconds left and there was an offensive foul that hadn't ruined anything so I know a lot of people were glued to that game we know the money I think was on 67 percent of us so uh, quick quotes from Brian and they'll 
and then we'll move on to other games that happened. We'll just get to the recent games. We'll save the upcoming games before we preview uh, Evansville. Give me a second here. Brian said, quote, I thought our ball pressure throughout the game was able to wear them down a little bit. We were able to generate offense from the turnovers, and we took care of the ball. If we keep doing that, that is winning basketball. And then he said, I think our depth is important. We don't rely on five or six guys. We'll play 10 guys, and we have different guys on different nights stepping up over the course of 40 minutes. We try not to change the way we play. We try to play hard every single possession, and that starts to wear on teams. And that's exactly – Noah, what these other teams are talking about wearing them down. So your final thoughts on this and then jump into the recent games that has happened. Like I said, we'll save the upcoming ones for later. Yeah, obviously it's good to get another win at, a, I think it was 5,500 as the announced crowd there. So another decent crowd. Um, like to be in those 6,000s though if we could. But um, yeah, got to obviously I like the lineup change. Got off to a better start, but I'm um, still looking to put a full 40 together. So um, a big time win, but yeah, other games on Saturday, um, UIC went down to Murray state 81, 64 win for the racers led by Brian Moore, who did not play against us. So that could have been a different, different difference maker uh, 21 and five for Brian Jacoby Wood also had 21, seven and seven of eight and nine shooting. Um they're starting to get hot um, for the racers. Um, they Then uh, for UIC, Jace Carter, 18 points for them to lead the way. Um, UIC here in a couple – here next year, starting next year could be really good. Got a really young team. Um, Valpo went on the road to Evansville, got their first conference win. Probably one of their few – they probably can sweep Evansville now, so – They'll probably end up with maybe two. I know they play UIC coming up. Maybe three wins on the season. 76-69, Kobe King 20 points and nine rebounds to lead the way. Cricky 18-5-5. So those two are the duo. If they're not if they're not doing anything, Valpo is going to struggle. Then on Evansville side, Toomey 18-7. and seven. Um, Antoine Smith Jr., 16 and 8 off the bench. Um, he's coming along nicely, as along with Marvin Coleman with 15. Then another one we were tuned into, you and I, on the road at Belmont. Belmont's really hard to beat down in Nashville, and they um, get another home win. Shepard with 22, 76 72 Bruins over Panthers. Trey Campbell led the way on the Panthers side. Um, Bowen Bourne came out for the last eight minutes while they were down. He's having calf issues. Um, it tightened up on him. Then the big one, obviously, no one expected it to be this way. Not surprised who won. Drake beats Bradley 86-61. Tucker DeVries, the player of the week this week in the Valley, 28 points. Um, Duke Dean led the way for Bradley, 21. So didn't expect it to be that kind of blowout, but not surprised Drake Drake won that one. Then obviously the big one on Sunday, I, I watched the whole game, 64-62 win for Missouri State over Indiana State to make the three-way tie for first place and just to jumble up the standings even more. Donovan Clay was great in this one, 21 points. Uh, Cam Henry had 17 for Indiana State. So a lot of tight games and a couple blowouts here in the Valley, but a really good weekend of Valley basketball again. No doubt. And it shows again outside of Valpo, you know, winning at Evansville, it just shows again the struggles of road teams and how good home teams are. And, you know, and um, Evansville had it close. I mean, they cut it near the end and, you know, Valpo almost let that get away. But you're right. I mean, seeing Belmont win at home or beating you and I to move them down a little bit below us. I mean, Belmont's a scary team. I mean, I'm not going to say. We're lucky we don't play in Nashville because we, we wish we were because we could go watch it if it was on a weekend. Uh, but they're hitting their stride, and they're going to be one of the dangerous teams as time goes on with how efficient of offensive team we are. And it's crazy how much we handled them at our place when they were fully healthy and they went in and just crumbled under our crowd. Uh, so we have that advantage on them right now, and that's why we're you know leading the way with a three-way tie at first is because we had – we split with Indiana State, but that win against Belmont's crucial. You and I did claw back. And then you mentioned that 
that butt whooping. I mean, I think if anyone else, like if we lost that bad, I wonder if anyone's like not really counting Bradley out, but showing them like, yeah, you're not a you're not a good road team, but uh, like if it makes people wonder about Bradley, we know they're going to win at Carver Arena, and people can't win, you know, in Des Moines. But I mean, they only got yeah. Duke Dean did play well for them. He's 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 turning on a little bit. I mean. I mean, Rink had 10. He's not scoring a whole lot lately. And Hickman, 2 of 11. And then they only got eight combined bench points. Jay Sean Henry, 12 minutes, didn't even shoot. I mean, I, I can guarantee when we play him, that he kills us. And he's going to score. He's going to shoot and score in that game. But, yeah, Tucker, he was he was the player of the week this week. And he just, you know, he did his thing in this game. And Calhoun and Connor Enright, yeah, seeing him, seeing those two get combined 29 off the bench and then Ferguson with four. Drake is, as we mentioned before, they're kind of hiding in the weeds as we go along here and they get in their groove. And then, yeah, that Sunday game, I watched most of it as well. Indiana State was, you know, we mentioned how, well, one, they can't, you know, go on the road and win, but they struggle to beat these other higher, higher top half teams the last month and a half. And Missouri State was being physical with them. And that's how you beat them. They're not let them be as finesse as they want to be. They were turning it over. They they were down big near the start of the game at the start of the second half, and they clawed back and only lost by those two. And, yeah, Don with 21 and Trimble off the bench. Yeah, we'll dive into them on the next episode because they're our next opponent on the road in that building. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll dive in more to them. But, I mean, yeah, they didn't the, – the, the trees only had three guys in double figures. They had – what is that, Matt? Ten total bench points. I mean, they're just a struggle for them. And, again, they're not saying they're fraudulent by any means. They're good. But when you get them out of their rhythm, clearly you can win. And, you know, we mentioned the stretch they have coming up here. It's huge. I wanted to go back because some things we didn't touch on in our final win. I don't know when it gets Illinois State. Some small tidbits here. We had a stat, and it's one of the followers of uh, Saluki Nation, Captain Donuts. That's on there. He had a stat that we haven't seen him one of the hit on that are in our last six games, we're only holding teams to 25 a game in the second half. That just shows you the uh the dominance we've been showing. And that's a, a stat that I'm not sure where we could find it, but he had it. So shout out to him for having it. That's obviously notable. And then we didn't have a dog of the game. And no, we definitely agree that that was Scotty in that game to give us that spark and help us in that uh in that moment there before the half to spark spark us. So so then, no dive, dive in, or there's a stats update, I believe, uh, that Mike had recently for where guys stand. Um, Lance is slowly climbing up that being, I mean, the 1,300-point score. That was before this game with his 21. We saw uh, an Evanston Twitter account post about that. So Marcus is now 18th in 92 games. He's got 1,379. He's right behind our high school coach, Shane Hawkins, at 17, Marcus will keep climbing, get behind guys, and Lance is right behind Dick Garrett, five points away from passing him, and he has Kai Nurnberger ahead. He just passed Armand Fletcher in this pre and Falker in this in this recent game. So those guys are climbing. The career assists. Marcus is almost in the top 30. He's about eight assists away, nine assists away from being in the top 30 of, of assists. Uh, and then the other one is uh rebounds mark or that was in rebounds excuse me marcus is eight rebounds away from being the top 30 and then assist wise he is um 14th and lance is 19th so those guys continue to climb up as we go along here and there was i think there was a step market and this is a, this is a stat that's notable marcus is only the fourth saluki to have 1300 or more points 500 or more rebounds and 300 or more assists in a career Obviously, he's he's right on the doorstep of those rebounds and assists. Just an improbable great career that we talked about. He could very well next year get near 2,000 points if he stays healthy and stays on that trajectory. So, uh, Noah, dive in now to what the standings look like after all these games happen, and we'll get into some more news and the probabilities after. Yeah, obviously, um, we are at the top because of some tiebreakers at 6-2. and two. Um, right behind us, Indiana State and Belmont at six and two. Then a big log jam of five and three teams of Drake, Bradley, Murray State, UNI, and Missouri State. Then you have Illinois State right there on their own at three and five. Then UIC Valpo at one and seven. Then Evansville at zero oh and eight. So um, 
top eight teams within one game of each other. Pretty crazy. Illinois State right there trying to get into the mix, but they're a couple games back. So it's going to be interesting way to see how the season's in, especially with the top eight teams playing each other just like that. Um, then some other Valley news uh, seen today that Murray State forward Kenny White was arrested last night in McCracken County with charges that include possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and operating a motor vehicle under the influence, among others. So um, this is a guy that's av- averaging nearly nine points, four rebounds, and 18 starts, shooting nearly 40% from the floor, um, starting to play pretty well for them, pretty disapp- disappointed because um, we know – we know we play them coming up, so um, let's see how see how what happens. I know some athletic departments and teams handle the situation differently, so we'll see what happens there. So, um, not a lot of other Valley news around. Just uh, just that we mentioned Tucker DeVries, Player of the Week, then Jacoby Gillespie, the newcomer of the week for Belmont, a really good freshman having a really good week. So, um, other than that. Not a lot of big news around the Valley. Yeah, it's very unfortunate with Kenny White because he's a mismatch. I mean, he's starting to shoot better a little bit. He's starting to just – like I said, he's just a mismatch at that three or that three spot for them when they're starting DJ, Jamari, and Jacoby, and Rob Perry. They're dangerous. And, you know, it is just – you know, it's marijuana, and but it's drug paraphernalia, which could be other stuff, and he's driving during it. And they, they said there's more details that come from Blake Sandlin, who – uh, covers uh, local uh, news around there. So we know this had to obviously – this came out at 125. Maybe it happened earlier this morning. Like Steve Prohm was on the the teleconference today. He had known about it since then, but I can imagine, you know, the spirits he could have been in doing that, knowing that this was in the back of his mind, one of his best players is doing this. And I think it's safe to say we won't see him for a while. Uh, you know, when something like this happens in general, we know what happened recently to Alabama player. That is way worse than this, but just the fact something like this happens that, you know, we very well couldn't see. It might not see Kenny the rest of the season, and we definitely won't see him in our next matchup, which is definitely notable. Sam Murray is going to have to step up, the true freshman for them, because they already were the, the least deep team in the league. So definitely unfortunate for Murray State fans, and obviously, like I said, their run, because wouldn't count them out in their next game we'll get to, because they did it at home against even a better team uh, previously. So. Definitely unfortunate news. So definitely wanted to pass that along. Uh, you're right. Nothing else to really discuss. So, no, that brings us into update on the seeding probabilities as well as a couple bracketologies. Joe Lenardi will have his tomorrow. We'll see if the Salukis are on that because they are on these other ones. But, no, we just – because we just talked about the standings, what they are. We talked about we're tied for first. Dive into where Matt Hackman has us percentage-wise and all the votes and everything to this point. Yeah, obviously it's interesting to see how this changes week by week. Um, starting to look more in our favor, though, way we way we want to be. Um, right now, 27% is the highest for the to win the league and be the first seed, and that goes to our Saluki, so – Showing right behind us is Indiana State at 25%, then Bradley at 18%, Drake at 13 and Belmont at 11 Then for second seed, we have the highest for that as well at 22%. Um, then our at 17% is for us at the three seed. So we got some of the higher percentages at all locate at all seeds, but um, for those top three spots, but as of right now, if it were end of the day, we would be the one, Indiana State the two, then the three seed. Um, it's hard to tell because Indiana or Drake and Bradley are at 17% um, for that three seed. So one of them would be the three and four. Um, then at the five, it's looking like Missouri State. Then probably Belmont at the six. Um so that's pretty crazy to see the top six. Obviously, with the log jam, these percentages um, are going to be a lot of the like, so it's hard to tell where they're going to be. But interesting to see um, 
from what it was a couple of weeks ago, because I think a couple of weeks ago it was like Indiana State at 42% to win the league, and now here they are have dropped two straight and going through a tough stretch. They're down to 25% just like that. Yeah, and, you know, rightfully so, because there's been power rankings going around that has them lower. And, you know, it's – it's they've lost two straight. They've proven they can't beat any other high-quality teams in the league. Uh, and, like I said, it'll, it'll get even tougher for them. But I do think, you know, for what it's worth, those top five that you said of what it could be, in uh, no order, us, Indiana State, Drake, Bradley, Belmont, those could very well be the top five teams. And, uh, you know – whoever's fighting for the front, whoever's going to miss out on that top four. And I mean, for the way everyone's played and the way people are playing right now, it's, it's not crazy to think that Indiana state could definitely push out of that with the way, and we know Bradley just got smoked and that's where if they were to split the three and the four, Drake would be ahead of them because of that tiebreaker. And that's why it's so important that, that we've split so far. We, you know, we swept Belmont in the one game and then have these tiebreakers and we still got to play at Carver arena or play Bradley at all, but play there and then play Drake. They're combined like 20 and 0 at their respective buildings. Um, you know, I could see you and I falling off just because they're a young team, but if they still get these good, like they'll have a, a, a manageable home game here coming up this week. And then Murray with the news of Kenny, why you don't know if they could fall off a little bit, Missouri states, Jekyll and Hyde, but they're well, well good. And it's just crazy how, and you mentioned um, what the standings are that, I mean, every game, if you lose one game, you can go from one to seven. So that's how vital it is. Good thing we're in the position that we are and we have a good matchup tomorrow while other teams duke it out. Uh, we need some of these other bottom – and that's a product of all these bottom-tier teams just losing all the time and doesn't help the cause. It's going to make it so much tough, and we like the position we're in, but we know it can change in an instant. But, yeah, we do have the best odds for all three seeds, so – putting ourselves in good position and no, that's kind of uncharted territory. I remember the last time we looked at a seedings probability and eight games into a Valley year, you know, 18 or 20 games or not seeing us picked like that because of where we're currently standing. And I mentioned Joel Lenardi will have his tomorrow. We'll talk about it on Friday uh, and we'll retweet it all as soon as we see it. But no, we did see a couple other bracketologies and, like we said, usually, you know, they go by some other things, but they'll just look at the standings of the mid-major conferences and just pick whoever's in first place. And that's been the case, you know, at times with maybe – I don't even know if Bradley maybe at first, you know, was in first place. Indiana State, I feel like, always was that, and they were recently in the bracketologies. But dive into where a couple of CBS and Stadium had us in this because obviously, like I said, it, we haven't seen it in a long time, and it gets us excited. We don't want to get too excited. Because there's still, like we said in that tweet, it is brick by brick, but it's definitely an exciting time. Dive into those. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you see it waiting so long just to see us in a bracketology and the excitement level, um, just loving the national attention, people realizing um, that maybe we have a chance to win the league. And uh, Stadium had us as a 13 seed, um, traveling to uh, Des Moines to play Iowa State. So a little home cooking in Des Moines there, but um, be really interesting matchup. If you got past that, you played St. Mary's or Dayton. So that's a really cool one. Iowa State's having a pretty good year so far. Um, then CBS has us um, as a 13 seed as well playing TCU. So um, both would be interesting matchups. Um, I just found it funny that uh, the odds of us playing a TCU, a purple team, last time we were in it, we played Holy Cross, a purple team, and we'd see Kansas in a rematch in the Sweet 16. I just find that funny. What are the odds there? Um, also, SAUE as a 14 seed in our same bracket in that one. So maybe the SIUs could meet in the late eight. Yeah, well, we've seen crazier stuff happen, but that would be the ultimate craziest thing to ever happen. I don't think the NCAA and the, the TV partners would be so proud of that matchup. Uh, but we know, like, yeah, those those Cougars are tough, and they're, you know, the team to beat in the OVC, and you're right, in that stadium one, they'd have them playing Alabama, who, granted, I mean, we gave them fits in the exhibition, and they're playing like one of the best teams in the country, but Cougars would get them if this would hold, just in terms of where it stands and you're right, it, it is funny in that CBS one that it would fall right into the laps of playing Kansas. And, 
you know, like we said on New Year's, we were watching highlights of that. And it's just, it, it gets us so excited. We talk about how we both be in utter tears if, if, it, if it even would get to this point, no matter who we would play. And, you know, we would try to go to as best as best as we can. And even that matchup in the stadium yeah, in Des Moines playing Iowa State. So they would have the, they'd have a heavy crowd there. But, you know, again, it, if it even would get to the point of playing whoever, it would matter because you want to have the chance to do what a Loyola and a Wichita have done. But it's just if any would even get to the get to that point, I'd be so happy just seeing us on Selection Sunday when we walk around Banterra Center, see the pictures and see them on Selection Sunday and what they would have here. And we're getting just way too ahead of ourselves. But we can definitely talk about this because it's so much fun and how, you know, you know, like I said, I would just ball my eyes out if we even got to this point. But, uh, yeah, and they don't have the new logo for us on here, which is unfortunate. We've seen that a time or two. But the fact that we're on here, and I, I mentioned, like, if we get the let's, – let's say we win the regular season, get the one seed, that being just a 13, and, you know, that's that it could be worse. And people have mentioned if we were just a, a seed below, it's a yeah, the difference of playing in Iowa State or playing in Arkansas or a Texas as a – 14 versus three. So we would luck out here. We know players Iowa State has lost. Not too familiar with who they have currently. We know they're definitely a good team. But I think that would be favorable even in the state of Iowa. And then, as you said, against St. Mary's or Dayton, Dayton's underwhelmed. They kicked it back in gear. They'd be the 12 and St. Mary's. We know could pick apart teams and play really good. But those would be favorable than the other potential matchups. But uh, it's just so cool seeing this. I wonder what Lenardi, where he would have us ranked. And I wonder if this is the highest we could be seeding wise. It seems like it'd be perfect. It's just taking care of business and knowing you can be within maybe an 11 or a 13 to be crazy because we know, yeah, if you get into the 14, 15, 16 range, you have no shot. But just the fact that this is being all discussed is is so much fun. No doubt about it. Like I said, Lenardi's will come out uh tomorrow and we'll talk about that on friday so a lot of a lot of discussion with these and how cool it is in this moment but brick by brick one game at a time so no i mentioned the delayed monday teleconference came out you know brian talks near the end they go by alphabetical order for schools i don't think anything you mentioned there's no other news it was just the typical uh and the one thing uh with these teleconferences is there's really only coaches are really in here and we talk about how they don't do them on Periscope and, you know, it saves time when they post it from just the SoundCloud version. Uh, you know, coaches take a little bit more time to get in there and such, but there's only like one or two questions a piece. And you'll have some people who cover that team that ask the coach questions, but it's really just Harry Schrader and, uh, and really that's it. And some coaches are in there for two minutes and then they're out of here. It seems like they could do a lot better with that. Noah, uh, don't you feel the same way with that? Like I said, you said no other news. Anything else that stuck out to you about that? I can't really remember exactly what Brian had said in it, but they could do a better job with those teleconferences, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I I enjoyed it a lot last year where they put it on Periscope and stuff, which I know um, some of the show or some, one of the shows I watch every morning down in Nashville, they used to do Periscope and it's just they've had problems with it, so maybe that's what it is. Um, too many technical difficulties with Periscope and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, most besides Harry, I mean Jim Benson asked a couple questions with different coaches if they if Illinois State plays that that team that week. But other than that, besides Becky for us, not a lot of other questions to be to be asked, and we don't get much more information out of it. But we were craving at the time, wondering why they put it off. So a lot of stuff did happen and uh, always enjoy those every single week, no doubt about it. So getting some more things here. We mentioned the G League Salukis. We'll always talk about them. And since we last talked to talk about what they did on Friday in their respective games, the Windy City Bulls and Cash Cupet did not play to a coach's decision. Just not looking at that. Some games he'll start, some games he won't. So it's weird how they kind of, do a lot of that. We'll see if Kevion played that day for the Nets. Uh, we know they've been going up and down with, uh, you know, calling guys up, sending them right back down. Kevion played six minutes in that game, only had two points. Uh, and then we know that, like I said, we they play all the time. We'll see if they, they did not play on Sunday. And then here we are today. They had some early games, a lot of 
either G League or NBA games playing early on this MLK day all day. Um, but we did see Cash didn't start in his game. I'll get to his box score, but Kavion did start. We know Dayron Sharp, who is a young player, went to North Carolina, as you know, no, he's on here and he's starting over Kavion, but he's been going up and down with Brooklyn and and then with Long Island. And Kavion got the start today. He had a dunk and a fast break, also had a pass at one point. So we'll get into the box scores here on today's game. Kavion, and they won 99 to 80. And Kavion in this start played 23 minutes, had 12 points, two blocks, uh, three turnover or three rebounds, excuse me, on 50% from the free throw line and shot five of eight from the field. So good minutes for Kavion. And then today, the Windy City Bulls lost. Cash did not start, but he did uh, have nine points in 18 minutes, one of four from three, four of eight from the field. And did well. So, like I said, always want to update those guys. We mentioned you mentioned on the last one that Armand got released from the Jazz, unfortunately. So we mentioned how those other players get calling up from the Nets and some players from the Bulls. Javon Freeman, Liberty Noah. He, I mean, he scores everywhere he goes. He dominated at Valpo. He dominated at DePaul, and he had he had thirty nine points. He had a a minus fourteen. So. He did. He had to do a lot for them. He only had three turnovers. Did a whole lot of other stuff. Noah, he is incredible. Did a lot from. He's doing a lot from. Not, he went three of seven from three, but he's getting in the paint, doing his thing. A lot of familiar faces on that on that team, Noah. But obviously, seeing cashing and KB on getting the start. I always go to you on these, and I guess there's not much else to add. But I guess you could add on JFL, knowing that we should have get. But, been in the portal a lot more. He wanted to go home to Chicago. He's been stuck in Chicago now for a while. That uh, Papo had him at one point. It's scary, but he's just doing his thing with cash by his side. JFL is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. A really um, obviously the day they or the last two games they've played the Canton Charge of the uh, the G League team for the Cavaliers. So I've been playing close attention to it, but um, terrible first quarter for the Windy City Bulls to lose that one. So, um, yeah, JFL doing his thing. He's going to score no matter where he's at. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kavion getting that opportunity. Um, we know Dayron Sharp's up and down from the Nets to the G League. So, interesting. Then, yeah, Cash getting all his stuff. Then um, just some other stuff that's notable. Uh, we know in the portal we were – in on Kurt Lewis, ended up at John A. Logan. Um, he has committed to um, Mizzou today, so the Kyle Smith-Peters pipeline to Mizzou is officially Sean East last year. Now it's Kurt Lewis and probably K.J. Debrick, um, their big man, probably going to follow him up next, probably, I would say. So that's just a smart move by Dennis Gates to get a guy on a staff that's coming from a really good JUCO Um to create a pipeline whose brother is now the head coach. So um, I'd say that's going to continue as long as Kyle is on that staff at Mizzou. Obviously he made the jump finally. So um, maybe somebody's going to take notice of this pipeline. He'll get a, a D one head coaching job at some point. No doubt. And, you know, Mizzou has been up and down. They had the, they were beating nobody at the start, and they killed Kentucky, who's not good. They killed Illinois, who's starting to get into a groove more. That was a huge bragging rights win, and then they've kind of struggled here again. But you're right, the ultimate pipeline, and it's definitely in cahoots in that regard, and why not? You know, they, and we mentioned, yeah, we were in on Kurt. He went to John A., which is so ironic. You know, you've seen him play a lot. You said that he was kind of off to a slow start, and then he's carried them to being ranked where they are. You mentioned K.J. Debrick will be there as well definitely a pipeline you know as, as long as yeah both smith peters are, are at where they're at dennis gates will get the benefit of one of the best jucos in the country so definitely notable and then we'll touch on or real fast because we talked about other things of you know national quote-unquote spotlight and we know rocco miller's really high on us he had us at number eight and his and his new top 60 non-power rankings after the 10-week mark right ahead of drake who is at nine like we said, we know Rocco is high on us regardless, so moving us up to eight. He liked a couple of our tweets, so I had a feeling he was going to do this. If you look on his website, it's still, he still has us as a 12, and that was preseason. So he's honestly correct in where it currently stands today. 
of how he predicted it. We know there's a long way to go, but it's ironic because we were talking about that at the start of the year of how crazy that is. But we're making him look smart to this point, and he'll keep having us here as long as we keep winning. Uh, Bradley's 31 on here, Belmont's 25, Indiana State 20. Um, and then Murray at 51. And that is it for Valley teams on that list. And then, no, let's touch on Kennard Davis here. As we know, we saw him at Highland a couple weeks ago. He finished a game at the Hoop Hall Classic where a lot of good basketball is being played all around the country. Uh, he played uh, yesterday, had 21 points, and his team lost again. Uh, Tony McNiff, who is a scouting analyst for Made Hoops, made a post about him, said he's a highly underrated prospect. He's long, fluid, and quick-twitch athlete with a budding two-way impact. Has shown growth as a perimeter shooter this season. And no, it's always awesome seeing different kinds of people every single time talk about Kennard. We saw him with their own two eyes. We already talked about it. Uh, more great stuff to see that he's putting up numbers, carrying a team that we mentioned isn't very isn't great. Has some young talent on there because Noah, there's another tournament we like to go to here coming up early next month. You can dive into the date if anybody else wants to go to it and watch him play again. He's got a tough matchup in that one. It'll be fun to watch Kennard play again. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see that um, he's showing out and he's getting a lot more exposure. Um, don't worry, Saluki fans. He's already signed with us, so he'd have to request to get out of that letter of intent. But, yeah, always at the 1st of uh, February here on the 4th, um, the Bank of O'Fallon shootout. Um, he gets a tough matchup against the Rubin brothers and um, Simeon. So, ought to be interesting. Hopefully, he can keep him in that game. But um, it's going to be awesome. We get to see him um, that one. Then I think we play Missouri State on that sun- Sunday at home. So, um, great two days of watching Kennard and getting to see a really good game the next day. Yeah, I don't think his team's going to have much luck against Chicago Simeon with those Ruben brothers at all. We saw them beat Imhotep, who's ranked. They both are ranked now. We saw Imhotep was on ESPN2 last night. So just knowing how good Simeon actually is, that'll be tough for for Kennard. But if he can show out in a matchup like that, knowing that he'll see one of the Ruben brothers in his career in the Valley will be awesome. And Noah, quickly touch on, because we talked about it earlier, with where we stand in some recruiting, we know that there's, you know, even juniors, there's some juniors we have eyes on that we've seen play that have decisions to make even with the year of high school ball left. And seeing how, you know, seeing Kennard do his thing and we're trying to pinpoint and we talk and we're, we don't want to talk about it now during the season, but pinpointing some more to refresh in people's memories of some guys still for 2023. And then for 2024, we could have our eyes on that, that could fit this roster, knowing that we have so many seniors on the team that either we'll use the extra year next year. If not, we'll have some open spots. Like I said, we'll talk about it more in the off season, but touch on more of, like I said, some more recruits we could be in on with some spots in 2024. It's got a lot of good players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 2023 is um, hard to tell um, if we will add anybody. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but it all depends on maybe if one of these guys are still available when, when the time comes and one of those guys, maybe a Trent Brown or a JD um, makes their decision, obviously Xavier or Lance or Marcus can make that decision not to come back as well. Or maybe somebody transfers out to see if we can still get one of these guys, but just some of those guys um, really the only guy, the only guy we have an offer out to um, is Joey Robertson, a six, six forward from orange beach high school down in orange beach, Alabama, other offers like Wofford, Loyola, Chicago, Drake, Furman, Belmont. So a really talented player there. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's some other guys. Oh, Tristan Gross, who originally committed to SMU, um, decommitted there. I think he's on a Vanderbilt uh, recruiting visit this coming weekend. So um, probably out of our reach. But Wake Forest, um, FAU, who's turned it on this year, and on him, then guys like Dallas Roberts, a six-one point guard from down in Kentucky. Um, then other guys we show we checked in on, not really a lot of interest there. But Daniel Johnson, a six-six guy from Whitney Young up in Chicago. Luther Smith up out of Wisconsin, a point guard, five-eleven point guard. Ibrahim Elmine, a five-eleven point guard up in Minnesota. Um, Isaiah Kai out in. Uh, 
Gilbert, Arizona point guard at 6'2", C.J. O'Hara. But 2024 is really what they're focused on. I think that's what Javon Javon Maman is really focusing on at this point. Uh, Jaheim Weber, a 6'9 center at a normal community high school. Um, we have an offer out to him. Angelo Ciravino, a 6'6 uh, guard at uh, Mount Carmel up in Chicago. Uh, offer out to him. Obviously, Cole Serta, uh, probably out of our reach at this point. Um, a lot of nice schools in on him. Loyola, Northwestern. Uh, we know Brad Underwood went and saw him. Um, so a lot of guys, we, we have some offers out to. Also, Bennett Basic, a 6'4 guard up in Wisconsin that can really score the ball. So those are some guys. Um, there's some other guys. Obviously, we know the uh, two guys from Brian Mullen's hometown um, visited and Jake Reimer and Jack Stanton. Um, not a lot of interest there. I think it's just they're from they're from him hometown and they just wanted to visit uh, maybe a walk on a P- PWO at some point, maybe for one of them. Um, then other guys we had some interest on during the summer, Carlos Harris, a six, two point guard from Chicago Curie. Um, he got an offer a little bit ago from Illinois. So he's starting to pick up some bigger, a bigger offer there, especially the hometown team. Um, then there's some other ones, a six, three point guard, Daquan Brown up at a limestone community high school in Bartonville, Illinois, uh, no offer yet, but he has an offer from Western Illinois at this point. Um, then two teammates up in the Milwaukee area at St. Thomas More High School, uh, 6'5 guard Amari McCautry and 6'7 forward Saku Kone are two guys that we checked in on um, here in the past couple of months. So those are some 2024 guys. Obviously, that list will grow. Um, I updated everything last night. And I didn't realize how uh, large the uh, 2023 list was until I did it. So, um, and always interesting to follow. Obviously, um, we know the tournaments we go to. There's always guys that play there that SIU has shown interest to or has offered at some point. We know uh, the the Staley team at a Kansas City you dove into on your episode, the one after Highland. So, a lot of recruiting. Probably nothing nothing major until uh, next year. But you never know. Like I said, if somebody decides to transfer and there's one of these guys available we may be able to snag them late. Exactly. And, you know, and we talked about we're raggling getting a four-star recently. It's all about relationships and they're not going to win a conference game this year, barring heaven forbid anything tomorrow, they're probably not going to. And, uh, you know, it's all about relationships, no matter how your program is. And I know it's their first year and they got a lot to work on, but it's just like the status of how teams are. That's why it's important to see us succeed in this moment and how important it is moving forward. And, you know, a lot of those recruits you mentioned, follow us back. We follow them on Twitter and they see us posting about, you know, seeing the national spotlight. And we talk endlessly how important that is in recruiting and how important, it, you know, Jeremy Chen is for football. We talked about it a million times and it's vital. And there are a lot of options, a lot of, you know, like you said, some interest, some guys are just getting on campus just to put on the Jersey. If they just know some people with the staff and, um, and I think, and and Harry was going around asking all these players how they how they or all the coaches, excuse me, today in the teleconference about how they manage a season where they're at now and also recruiting. And he asked Brian Wardle, and he says, "Why well, worry about the team? That's what coaches are for. Going out and getting the job done." We talked about how yeah, we saw Javon at uh, at Highland, and he's one of our. He, you know, we know Pat Monahan does a great job in the Northern States. Uh, and then you see guys like Javon Mamont, heavy in Chicago and other areas. Uh, our staff does a great job in that. And, you know, Brian focuses on the now. We, we've talked before about it in the past. Brendan Mullins, Eric Butler, for example, we talked about it because we saw highlights recently. Brendan went to hot to Florida in a day's time in two different flights or in at least a two days time because you really want guys. And we convinced Eric Butler and it didn't work out. But just the fact that coaches hone in on a guy, you show the relationship, you will get players. and. The portal has a lot, you know, a lot to do with how heavy you are in, in high school. And we mentioned Ben Jacobson, you know, interviews ago said that they're still going to do the same way. But if there's someone in the portal they like, they're going to do it. And yeah, heaven forbid also if Marcus and Lance don't use the fifth year, the position that we're in. But, you know, I, I have a good feeling that they will, but it's just molding around them more thinking if guys could leave and 
yeah, thinking of more guys in high school for 2023, uh, not sure if it'll happen, but definitely focus on 2024. We mentioned the potential of positions and what could fill this team. We know we're, you know, maybe point guard as time goes on. We don't have Lance. We don't have X. And, uh, you know, we have Dalton for maybe, I mean, that'll be after his senior year with knowing that he would have the COVID year. And we talked about uh, J.R. Jacobs, who can't see time. Maybe they're redshirting him for a potential role down the road. You just never know. But uh, it's fun to talk about even in midseason here. When, but coaches and staffs are definitely working towards that as time goes on. And a lot of good players 2024, you're right. If we could snag some, it'd be crazy. But we know Kennard in 2023 is good as of right now, all depending on how the team shakes out when the season ends. So good stuff on that. And then now, Noah, let's talk about these aces. As we know, we beat them on our first conference game of the year in late November. You and I were in attendance for that. Uh, It is our 136th meeting between the two. We still hold that huge record uh, in general. And we remember what uh, happened in that last game. It was close at first. They kind of they kind of held around, and then we kind of got out of hand. Marcus didn't play a whole lot of minutes. I think he had five points in that game. But we did beat them 80 to 53. It got over 30 points at one point, ended up at 27. Uh, and, you know, obviously to this point now, we won nine of our last 10 games, doing a really good job. Evansville is not playing well. Noah quickly died since we last played them. And they're, they're struggling. There's no doubt about it. And they're dealing with an injury. You can dive into that when you're done as well. An injured player that we probably won't see tomorrow that Raglan mentioned today. Dive into the games that they have had since we last played them all of December to now. And then obviously some of their personnel. Yeah, obviously, um, since we last played them, they have two wins since then. Um, they were able to beat Bellarmine, which is pretty impressive. And Campbell, um, both home wins, but obviously struggling mightily. Obviously, their last road game, they got beat by 45 by Bradley. So um, this is an interesting matchup. We know um, there is an injury to report on for them that we don't know if he's good to go. Um, but that's big man, Saku Calais. Um, he's dealing, dealing with an injury. These day-to-day didn't say – uh, Raglan didn't say if he'd be able to play tomorrow night, so it's probably not looking good for him. But, yeah, since we last played them, I mean, obviously Blaze Beauchamp is a big part of that. He – they he got dis- – I guess there was a mutual agreement to leave the team like less than a week after we played them. So he's no longer there. That was a big part of their team. Um, but it's the Kenny, Kenny Strawbridge – in conference play, averaging 14 and a half points, four rebounds a game. Uh, Marvin Coleman has been very good recently. Um, 13, averaging 13 and four or 13 and five in conference play. Uh, Antoine Smith Jr., a guy that really can change the game, had a big game last time or last game, um, really can shoot it, averaging nine and three. So these are some guys, Gabe Spinelli coming up has dealt with some injuries and he's coming along a little bit, the freshman, but um, this is not a very deep team. And I think obviously they had a decent start against us last time, but this is a team um, we can wear down pretty easily and take advantage of it. Yeah. And I wouldn't say we can end up beating this team the way Bradley did at our place, but it's a game we should obviously handle for, this should be a 40 minute game. You're going to have lulls at some points, but this is definitely a team who, allows 74 a game when they only score 62. They shoot 39 as a team. I was going to go through stats, but they're not high on almost anything. They they steal a little bit, and they'll block, they block more shots than us. They don't really assist. They don't really – you know, they do rebound better than us, which is notable. I mean, we're not a great rebounding team, but they have struggled. They, you know, they lost by seven to Valpo, as we talked about. Illinois State, they kept close, but they've lost big to all the other top-half teams, so it's important to sweep them. Uh, Kenny Strawbridge is a problem. We shut him down the last game. Hopefully we can do it again. 96% matchup predictor has us winning this game. And no, the spread is out and it's a big one. We talked about it. Was, heck, if it was 11 and a half against Illinois State, what it could be. I thought it could get in the 20s, but it is minus 17 and a half in favor of us. A 125 and a half over under. Predictions on that, no, and then give me a quick dog of the game. Yeah, that obviously – when we see numbers like that, you don't think we can cover. Um, but 
I'm going to have to go with, I think we can win by 15, 16, but 17 and a half, just a way too big, big number for me um, as a better. So I would have to bet the plus 17 and a half there, but I will take the over. I think one, obviously with our games, and it's not going to be a high number in the over under, especially against a team like Evansville, but I would take that over. I think we can score enough um, to do that. Then dog of the game. Um, I think I'm going to go with Marcus. I think Marcus um, has struggled here. I think this is a game where he can get comfortable, knock down some threes, and um, have a 25, maybe 30-point game in this one. It's a good pick, and it's a good point with the way he's playing. And even thinking about guys that could just, you know, get going a little bit in this game. I mean, we know Jawan did okay in the previous matchup. I can, I'll pick Jawan to score over 10 points. I picked Trent in the last game, didn't even play. But just guys, to, this is kind of a feel it out game moving forward because this is the last, you know, easy game, quote unquote, we'll have. So we need to take advantage while other teams are punching each other and fighting that we can have this game to kind of, you don't want to overlook anybody. They're going to come in here with nothing to lose, but you need to get guys going a little bit. So Jawan and, and Marcus, for you, could see a lot of Scotty in this game to dominate, to get him more minutes in this one. It is a Space Jam theme night for the dog pound. They're giving out t shirts and posters for students and fans, SAU faculty and staff appreciation games. So we could see a decent crowd. It was 5,500, as you said earlier in the previous game. It's Tuesday night, and against a bad team, you could see it dip a little bit. Hopefully we can still, with the way this team is playing, uh, it is a 7 o'clock ESPN Plus game. Like I said, a game when we could take advantage, stay atop of the standings whenever other teams are duking it out. No final thoughts. Yeah, most definitely. I think this is one where uh need to come out right from the get-go and have a good start and just jump on them really quickly. Then we'll be able to wear them out with our depth. Be able to maybe see um, Foster and those guys and maybe even A.J. A. Ferguson in this one getting this game. Even Trent Brown, we know we had a big game over there last time over in Evansville against these guys, so maybe he can get on the rhythm. So um, hopefully it's a decent crowd. Probably we they, people see you all. They're playing Evansville. Maybe not go tonight. Maybe I'll wait for the next one. Um, so uh, just got to stay hot, win three in a row, then get ready to go um, down to Springfield, Missouri on Saturday, which just real quick here before we get your final thoughts and wrap it up. Just did see this. We know some, I've seen Wyatt Wheeler and people talk about it, and Bucky just confirmed it. That game Saturday at Missouri State, if you had any plans going, it has been moved to 1 p.m. to avoid the stinking Chiefs game. We don't meet how you and I feel about that. But um, if anybody had any plans on going, it has been moved to 1 p.m., which I think it was originally at 3. So um, schedule change there because the Chiefs playoff game. It's unfortunate, even though that is in the state of Missouri, that they want to get fans to that game, I, I suppose. But, I mean, that's weird. And, yeah, um, you, you, you mentioned that some other games because we didn't mention them. Uh, with our game, UIC is at Valpo tomorrow, three-point favorites for Valpo. Murray is at Belmont without Kenny White, five-point favorites for Belmont and Nashville. Bradley at Indiana State, interesting. If Indiana State can get off the schneid, I'd pick Brad. I know we're not getting picks. I know we're here near the end of an Illinois State at UNI and the Missouri State at Drake, yes. So a lot of teams to, like I said, fight each other while we're sitting pretty hopefully tomorrow, still ahead of the standings after some tough games. Looking forward to all that. Um before that game on Saturday. So hopefully we see everybody there tomorrow for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, until next time, go dogs.